Kings, Second Kings, Second Kings, the second chapter. It says here in the Word of God, it says, Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here. For the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went, they came to Jericho. <clears throat> as you have noticed, we have been tracking Elisha and Elijah on Wednesday nights, talking about a faith life and looking at the demonstration of faith. And some of you demonstrated your faith uh, from the 3rd to the 24th, those that participated in, in fasting uh, within that window. And some of you fasted the entire time. Some of you chose different things to fast. And so I just want to thank you for fasting because fasting is a spiritual discipline, and it does cause an effect on us. Amen? And when you get people together, uh, you know, if you have one person pray, you have an hour of prayer. You get two people to pray, you got two hours of prayer. Come on, think about 100 people fasting for 21 days. You've got, you've got a lot of hours. Uh, come on, because we're a body. Amen? And so I just want to thank you sacrificing that time and some of you are saying man i missed out on that fast it's okay there's plenty of time you can fast anytime you want <laughs> if you can't think of anything to pray about or pray anyone to pray for just pray for your pastor i'll take all of it i'm a glutton i'll take it all and so thank you thank you uh but here we're talking about faith life in um, elisha gives us a demonstration of what it looks like to walk in faith. It began in his life as he was faithful. There must be faithfulness or we can't call it a faith life. You, you've got to be consistent. Nine-tenths of the battle is just showing up. It's just being there, being consistent in your walk with the Lord. He, he forsook all. I, I just, I'm sorry, folks. I can't find any other path to victory but than to sell out to God. If you want victory in your life, you got to sell out. You got to give all. You got to throw in the. You got to. You just got to throw in the towel of surrender and say, God, I'm going after you. You're the victor. I'm following you. And Lord God, I'm just. If I've got a plow, I need to break up and burn. I'm going to do it. If I've got a. If I've got an ox, I need to slaughter. I'm going to slaughter it. If I need to boil it and go ahead and eat it, then I'm going to do that or give it away what I can eat. But then we begin to look at how that in. Second Kings, the second chapter. Second Kings, the second chapter. How that there's different cities that they find, different locations that they find, and we have looked at the spiritual impact that is associated with those cities. In the city of Gilgal, we see that it was the rolling away of the reproach. It was the first encampment of the Israelites, and Elijah and Elisha found themselves at Gilgal. And when they were at Gilgal, it is the spiritual implication for you and I is what we have to understand is we are no longer who we were. We're new creatures in Christ. We have rolled away the old. We're not that, that victim. We are not that sinner. We are children of God. We live for the Lord. We have the same word for Gilgal, reproach, is the same word used for Golgotha where the cross was erected. We, we roll all of our past and our identity upon him. We are not who we were. We're brand new creatures in Christ when we come to salvation. We, next, we found ourselves at Bethel, the house of God, the gate of heaven. And something I said during the service, I didn't have it in my notes, but it was just something that the Holy Spirit spoke. And it just resonated, and I just can't get it out of my spirit. We come to salvation, and what we see, the veil being opened, now we, we understand that we have access to heaven. I preached it that way so many times. I, I have talked about heaven being open to us, and we're going to continue to talk about that. And how that we can have access to heaven, but you know what, the, what heaven is wanting? Heaven is wanting access to the earth through us. And I think that's the part we kind of leave out of the equation. See, we've got to understand that we're a gateway. We're a doorway, an access, an entry point. We can, we can manifest the fruits of the Spirit, and we can allow the Spirit to access our days. Access, how many times do we go through the day? Let me encourage you, do it often. 
when you find yourself in a situation, ask for God's help. Ask him for his guidance. Even beyond that, ask him what he wants to do today. You know, and realize prayer is communication. Don't make the Holy Spirit pull out the too long talker shocker on you. Amen? I mean, it's not just all about me telling, okay, I'm going to give the Lord my laundry list of my wants and I'm going to get up and leave. No, you need to sit down and listen to the Holy Spirit and ask Him what He wants of you. It, 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 it changes the dynamic of the relationship. It's not a one-sided conversation. We speak and we listen. We listen and we speak. We, we commune with the Lord. And then we see at Gilgal, we know what He has done for us. At Bethel, we begin to know what, who we are in him. But at Jericho, of driving out the enemy that was occupying the place of promise and is knowing what we are doing. We are, what we are doing is we're delivering the good news. Now, when you read 2 Kings, the, the second chapter, the fourth verse, and we, we touched there on Jericho. And what I want to do now is I want to I want to parallel, and you're going to think this is bizarre, but I want to parallel Jericho with 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, and the 14th verse. Go with me. Um, There's two different translations I want to read here. First is in the New King James. Now, thanks be to God. This is 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, the 14th verse. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He even awakens awakens the dead, amen? I mean, come on, folks. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffused is the fragrance of his knowledge in every place, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma, notice this, the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Now you're asking the question, how are you going to parallel that with Jericho? We understand Jericho is a stronghold, do we not? You know what Jericho means? It means a place of fragrance. A place of fragrance. And Paul uses an analogy there. He kind of cues in on fragrance. But we think about fragrance. We think about even what they would think about in the, in the Word of God. In fact, the word fragrance is used in the English translation there. It's used 11 times in the Bible. Three in the New Testament, which we see right here in three different verses. And then eight in the Old Testament. And the fragrance is always in reference to the anointing or something nice or something, you know, we we sell fragrances. I don't know why the commercials are always so weird. But anyway, you you know what I'm saying? But (laughs) it's kind of like, I don't know. How do you describe a smell? I don't don't know. Just a a fragrance. I'm not doing that again. Okay. Nearly tripped. And for those that you weren't here, don't go back and watch. It was humiliating for me and probably comical for you. But uh, uh, anyway, I tripped and stumbled and like broke my neck. But anyway, thanks be to God. To all be to his glory. Fragrance. It's, it's the, the, the aromatic beauty of something. It always refers to something good. Anointing oil. Um, a, a, a perfume. Uh, that word fragrance is most often used in the Song of Solomon. It just in, in, it's, it talks about his, his, his bride there. What we see here is Paul uses it as something that is good to those who believe and something that is bad to those who do not believe. He 
uses that the fragrance. But there's also another word that he uses, and that's aroma. Aroma. Now, aroma is used 46 times in the Word of God. All other times in the Old and the New, the word aroma, you'll find this out, except in this verse right here, every other verse that mentions the word aroma is prefaced by sweet aroma. Sweet aroma. It refers to the sacrifice. Let, let me read the first occurrence when this word aroma is used in Genesis 8 and 20. When Noah came off of the ark, he built an altar unto the Lord. And notice, notice what the scripture says. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and this is Genesis 8, 20. Built an altar to the Lord, he took a clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the sweet, soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, and nor will I again destroy every living thing that I thing as I have done. Now this word here, sweet aroma, you thought, you're thinking, God is smelling the burning flesh of an animal, and he calls it sweet. That seems a little bizarre, doesn't it? Seems a little strange. But there's more to it than that. Sweet aroma. Sweet aroma. The sacrifice has been, has changed forms. It, it's, it's being devoured by the fire, and, and, and the smoke is now lifting up into the heavenlies. It's the, the sacrifice is there and and it's 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 not what it was, it's not what it'll ever be again. It is changing in the moment with the fire as it is offered as a sacrifice, and in that sacrifice, every time that is used, it's always prefaced by that sweet sweet aroma, sweet aroma. And it's starting to ascend because it's changed forms. It'll never be the same, and it's lifting up into the heavenlies and when it hits the nostril of God he calls that a sweet aroma that word sweet aroma sweet odor it means a soothing a quieting a tranquilizing mean to be tranquil? Free from commotion. That word there comes from the word that means to rest, to settle down and relax, to have rest, to be quiet, to cause to rest, to give rest, to make quiet, to cause to is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And what does it bring? The same thing Jesus brought when he ascended back into heaven. When he changed forms from this on earth because he laid his life down, went through the fires of crucifixion, then he rose again from the grave. And what does he bring to you and I? He brings peace and rest and tranquility in our heart. Because now the conflict between man and God has been resolved. Now there's no more struggling over the fact that we have to labor to enter into that rest. We just enter into that rest because God is merciful. Amen? Because the, the sacrifice has been made. The sacrifice has ascended. So when Paul is here, and he said this aroma that we're talking about, 
to a believer when they understand that Jesus Christ is the sacrifice and that the reference made to the sacrifice of the, all the references of all the sacrifices that were made in the Old Covenant, when all those sacrifices there that were made and when the smoke ascended and it was a sweet aroma to the Lord, what God, what was bringing to you and I was tranquility, it was bringing rest, it was bringing a peace to our heart because we understand that the work has been accomplished in Jesus. See, we look at the cross as the, the very good news, but to the world, it's foolishness. It doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. It, it, it just goes against rhyme and reason. But what we see is that the fragrance to the believer, the fragrance to the believer is, is the sweet aroma. And as Paul says there, he said, I'm bringing, a, we become the, the good news. We become the fragrance of the knowledge of God. 1 Corinthians 1 and 18 says the message of the cross is foolishness, absurd and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead because they reject it. But to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the power of God. I'm hoping this is resonating with somebody tonight. See, what Paul is making the reference to, let's just read it there in the Amplified. I think if we turn it up, we can understand. That was a pun, but anyway. Second <laughs> Corinthians 2 and 14 in, in the Amplified. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance. Notice this. The sweet fragrance of the knowledge of him. The sweet fragrance of the knowledge of him. What is that referencing? It's referencing the sacrifice through a sacrificial system in the old covenant. But Paul is bringing it into the reality of a, of a spiritual existence in a new covenant. And, and what he's saying there is, look, when we look at the cross, it is the power of life to us. When we look at the cross, it is a sweet aroma that causes a soothing to our soul because what we understand is that Christ did that because he was following in obedience to the Father's will because God loves us and he loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe and not perish but have everlasting life and in so doing it becomes the power of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we share with others, look, God loves you. He cares about you. See what happens though. Let's keep going here. For we are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which ascends to God. Discernible both among those who who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the latter one, an aroma from death to death, a fatal, offensive odor. But to those others, an aroma from life to life, a vital fragrance, living and fresh, and who is adequate and sufficiently qualified for these things. For we are not like many. I want you to notice this. Acting like merchants, peddling God's word, shortchanging and adulterating God's message. But from a pure, uncompromised motives as commissioned and sent from God, we speak his message in Christ in the sight of God. It caught my eye there before I get any further. Every time that you share the message of God, you're doing it in the sight of the Father. Every time that you share the love of Jesus with somebody else, you're doing it not just in the presence of that individual receiving, but you're doing it in the sight of the Father. Ooh. But see, just like what Paul is saying in there, if you're going to be a child of God, you need to smell like God. Come on. You need to smell like God, and you might as well understand you've got to draw a line in the sand and step over because you're going to be sweet aroma to God and to the fellowship of God 
but you're going to be a stench to the world. If you're going to be a sweet aroma, you're going to be stinky to somebody. Come on. You can't have it both ways. You, we cannot be effective in the body of Christ uh, if we smell like the world, uh, but we're trying to bring the aroma of God. Amen? We, we can't, we, we, we got to be one or the other. We got to be in or out. In fact, God didn't like those that are lukewarm. If you don't believe me, look at Revelations. And you see what happened to, to the church, not the world, but the church that was lukewarm. But we look here, and what we begin to see is that the sacrifice of Christ should permeate our life, and we should smell like the Lord. And get out of the, the, the fact that we're not going to be attractive to everybody. You ever smelt a skunk? Good night. Only another skunk liked that smell, and I don't even believe that other skunk likes it. <laughs> we used to go to her mother's house in the summertime, and those inevitably in that little old pier and beam house out in the West Texas, there would eventually be one of those polecats that walked under the house uh, and imagine and began to spray. So we would go visit, and it's like, oh, Dana, my gosh, what is going on in here? Windows open, trying to blow, let air flow through. It was a stench. See, in the nostrils of the world, that's what the sacrifice of Christ smells like to them. Why? Because it brings conviction. Why? It should bring conviction. My life, your life, the life of the church should bring conviction to someone else. If they brought you into the court of spirituality, you should be able to be convicted on being a Christian. There should be a, there should be a defense attorney, and you should just might as well lay down your case and just say, I'm guilty. Please prove me that I'm guilty of being a, being a child of God. Because of the aroma of the sacrifice of Christ. And Paul said, it's that knowledge of the Lord that the world is looking for. And though it's a stench to them to start with, if they enter into that life-giving aroma and the sacrifice, it'll bring a tranquility, it'll bring a peace, it'll be a sweet aroma to them. But you can't be both. Now how are we going to tie this back to Jericho? So glad you asked. Because when I looked at that and I saw that Jericho means fragrance, I thought, that's not a bad thing. Unless that fragrance is locked up. So Jericho was locked up. The stronghold of the city. Stronghold that, that it was the key to the rest of the promised land. It was the first. And see, it was, it was bound up. And notice there what Paul says we're not like others who are peddling, like merchants, the gospel. Come on in, and this will make you feel good. Take this little dose, and that, that's all you need for inoculation, and you can go about your business. It didn't work that way. If he gave all, he's expecting all. If he, if he surrendered all, he wants us to surrender all. He's not asking for more than what he himself has already given. He's asking for all of you because he wants to give you all of him. He, he wants to, to infuse within you all of his mercy and his grace and his goodness. But Paul said, there's been some merchants that come in and we're not of those that crowd. We're not of that guild. We're not of the ones who, who, who signed that trade card. We're not the ones that are, that are peddling this thing like it's some cheap adulterated thing that all you need is a little pill and now you got the gospel. No, this is an all-out war against hell in order to save nations and generations. This is an all-in effort to say, God, I want all of you. I want your presence. I want your purpose. I want your meaning of life. When I walk out of my prayer closet, I want to smell like you. I want to look like you I want to talk like you I want to put away those childish things I don't want to think like a baby I don't want to act like a baby I want to grow up and be a man in the body of Christ see there was a lockdown and I'm concerned church that there's been a lockdown in the body of Christ 
see Aiken, I, I looked at Aiken today and I thought, you know, what did he what did he take? He took the he took the first, and yes, it was the, the city belonged to the Lord, and it was the first of the first. If you if you wanna if you wanna conquer the rest of your promised land, you gotta put God first in all things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not your righteousness, his righteousness, all those other things will be added to you. But you know what Achan took? He took a, a Babylonian garment. The English translation says a wedge of gold and 200, I believe it's 200 shekels of silver. But if you look a little deeper, you'll find out that Babylonian, it was a Babylonian garment Realize Israel's not in Babylonian captivity at the time of Jericho. They're just going into the promised land. But Babylon is there, and so you could trace that all the way back to Babel. And so they were known for their garments, and they were so desirable, they were more desirable than gold at that time. And so these garments were, the garment mentioned would be one that would be worn by royalty or someone of high esteem so the Lord was saying look I'm taking you into conquest I'm, I'm we're going in to drive out the demonic forces that control the nations because I've called you to be a separate nation and I've called you to walk in the power and the knowledge of Jehovah God and bring the governance of God into that land and when you get in there I want you to to not take the very first things I'm, I don't want you to take the the I don't want you looking like Babylon and Babel where the rebellion of the nations took place in Genesis 11. But see, Achan took on the garment of the authoritative role, robe of one of those, and he conquered. So he was looking like the world. That wedge of gold is actually a tongue of gold. That's how it's translated. I thought, tongue, that's kind of weird. When you a tongue of gold, you can trace that to Egypt. And in Egypt, their belief system was that they didn't just automatically in their other world, they didn't automatically go in. They had to stand there. Once they died, they had to stand at a, at a council. This is their belief system. They had to stand at a council and they had to convince the, the, the goddesses in the, in, in the demon gods or the, whatever they worship that they had the right to get into their underworld. Strange, isn't it? So the Egyptians, they're the ones that invite, in, in, they, they believe what you had in this world you'd take to the next world. They're the ones that invented embalming. Israelites would bury their dead within 24 hours because they put no stock in the body. But the Egyptians thought, you know, whatever you have in this world, you can take to the next world. So to help them in their transition, they take, a, take the tongue out of the mouth and put a golden tongue in there. As a symbol that they could smooth talk the demons so they could get into the underworld without any trouble. And Achan decided, hey, we're going in. We're not going to drive out the, the forces that are controlling and destroying and sacrificing children. In fact, I want to walk like them and I want to talk like them. I don't think he was smelling that sweet aroma. I think he became a stench in the nostrils of God. Are you seeing this? So why was Achan sin so, so dire? Where did he take it? He went and hid it in his tent. And I'm just going to give you, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. We should change that to, I know I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd. I know I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd. And, and I know you're on board with me. But I need you to pray. I need you to continue to pray. Because just like in Aiken's day, if we're going to conquer the land, then we're going to have to get what's in our tent out. 
we got to get the hidden stuff out <laughs> because what's happened is the gospel, the good news, the unadulterated word of the living God that says it will transform, it will set free, it will heal broken bodies, and it will cause the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. It will lift the burdens off your shoulders. It will put your marriages back together. It will cause you to, to, to be the head, not the tail. It will cause you to live in victory. That message of the gospel has been bound by the peddling of merchants believing that crowds are of greater importance and bank accounts are of greater importance than the transformation of a holy God to a holy people. And I'm just not satisfied unless you are completely and entirely and totally free. Amen. So it's bound. The fragrance is bound. But make a resolve. And look, I'm not going to be everybody's flavor. Amen? I'm not going to be everybody's flavor. And you're not going to, you're going you're gonna to stop thinking it's so weird when you walk into the break room and people scatter. Now, if you're, being a, if you're being a toot, then clean yourself up. Amen? <laughs> but if you've done a checkup from the neck up, you know what I'm saying? You got your head on straight, and you're just wondering, why are they repulsed by me? Could it be that you're a witness? You know, when I got saved, I didn't have to run my friends off. <laughs> I couldn't catch them. <laughs> Come here. I won't talk to you. We've been friends for 15 years, Kevin. What, what happened? All you want to talk about is that Jesus. It's like a stench in my nostrils. I don't want to talk about him anymore. He's my new best friend. I just want to share him with you. But it is repulsing to me. I don't want to talk about the Lord. Okay, let's not talk. I still can't be in your presence. You know what I'm saying? See, in order to be the savor, sweet aroma of life to one, you will be the stench of death to the other. And it's time that the church understands God is reaching into the tents, and he's going to pull it out. He's going to show what garments you're wearing and what words you're speaking. He's going to show what you're coveting and where you're putting it. And he's going to pull it out. And I'm just saying to you, I, we need to pray for the mercy of God. To say, Lord, whatever it is that's in my tent, I want it out. Because we need, we need not the walls of Jericho to fall. We need the walls of Jericho to fall. And we need to clean our tents out so that we can go forward in God. So that the sweet aroma of God's grace and mercy may ascend into heaven. To bring peace and tranquility. See, it's not just earth to heaven, it's heaven to earth. It's the message of the gospel. It's the transforming good news of Jesus Christ. And when you take the, the sacrifice and you apply it to your life, it becomes a sweet aroma of God. I got a, I got a quick story and we're going to close tonight. Has anybody ever read the, the story of Auntie Anne's pretzel company? Have you ever read that story? Has anyone experienced what I have experienced when you walk into Walmart and there's an Auntie Anne's and there's Anne and there's like an aroma? It's like intoxicating. Bread and butter, come on. That's better. Coco Chanel couldn't come up with any better smell than that. Honey, go get you some of that. Get that pretzel all over you. It's like, where you at, babe? Andrew makes this, these homemade buttermilk biscuits. She's got the end-all recipe. And every day she said, what do you want to eat? I said, I want a buttermilk biscuit. She only make it for me about once a week. But I'm like, I need it like once a day. But when I come in and I start smelling and it's like, it's like intoxicating. 
Yes, I have digressed. Let me get back. <laughs> to Annie Ann, and I, I just thinking about a friend of mine shared the uh, bits and pieces of the story, but I looked it up because I was when I think about fragrance, I, I think about how much I want all those calories when I walk in. And some days I'm like, I don't even care. I don't care if there's 5,000 calories in that one little cup. I'm eating it. I'll run it off later. But her story goes like this. She was, she was raised in Pennsylvania. She was raised Amish. And all she aspired to be was a, was a, a wife and a mother. And she married a gentleman raised in the same community. Community, his name's Jonas. They were happy. They met as teenagers, and they were just—they were living the life. They were just—they loved the Lord. They're walking with God. They—they they were the youth pastors at their church. They—they they started a small family. They lived on a farm. Her family, her sister lived next to her, and and her family all around her. Funny thing, Tommy. They—they they had Teen Challenge come. To their church and four of the teen challenge young men stayed at their house in the morning on a Sunday morning they got up to leave to go to church her husband was taking the, the men to the service and unbeknownst to her her 19 month old daughter wandered out the front door doing what she had done so many times before with her mother walking over to her sister's house her sister was always accustomed to seeing the little girl during the middle of the day, but she didn't, she wasn't expecting her that early that morning. That 19 month old was ran over by the tractor and killed. Anne's life was wrecked. Several months went by and she just couldn't get over the grief of it, so she went to her pastor, her almost pastor. And unfortunately, that pastor took full advantage of her in her weakened state, seduced her. She wasn't given excuses for participating in that adultery for six years. Then they found out, found out that he did the same thing with several other women in the church. And so she knew her husband was going to find out. But see, because of the grief of both of them and living in an environment where you just didn't talk about things, they didn't talk about the hurt that they were going through, and they separated, and they just lived as strangers in the, their own house. You can find her story. It's incredible. But she goes to her husband she tells him everything that went on she said I could tell by the look in his eyes it's over he got up and he left when he left he didn't know what to do he in a panic he called a Christian counselor and as he's listening and the man said one thing that transformed his his life from that moment forward it put him on a journey he didn't know even existed he said I just want to leave you with these closing thoughts he said I would encourage you to try to work out your marriage but I'm going to leave you with these closing thoughts love your wife as Christ loved the church so he went back to her and he said alright honey this is the deal he said I want to work it out I do not want to get a divorce if you decide that you want to work it out I want you to stay with me but if you decide to leave, all I'm asking you to do is don't leave in the middle of the night. You come to me and tell me that you're leaving, I'll help you get set up somewhere, but please don't leave. She said for the first time, in seven to nine years, she began to feel a sense of hope. And so they began to go through Christian counseling. It wasn't, you don't just get into stuff one day and be out the next. There was a journey, and in that journey, they began to rebuild the relationship, and the rebuilding of that relationship, about nine years later, Jonas gives his side of the story. He said, you know, 
We were walking through a mall. And she reached over and she took my hand. And it's the first time in nine years that she reached out to me. And he said, I felt like the king of the earth. And he said, I had hope. They continue on their journey. God restored their marriage. And he said, because God has restored our marriage and used Christian counseling as a result, this is what I want to do. He said, I want to start counseling others and helping them. So he said, I'm going to counsel anybody, whether they can afford it or not. She thought, well, this is going to take some money. So she goes and buys a concession stand in a busy flea market area, farmer's market. And at the age of 40, she makes her first soft pretzel. She said it was a recipe that she just stumbled on and she made mistakes and it turned out to what you eat today. And she did that because she wanted to become the, she wanted to be able to have money so that he could counsel people so that other marriages might be restored. So that little concession stand, they put it, trusted God, and God blessed. In the first year, they, they opened up a store. And then the next year, they opened up two stores. And then the next year, they opened up 12 stores. You know what they grossed in 2020? They are a worldwide company. They're the largest soft pretzel, pretzel company in the world. They grossed in 2020 $500 million dollars. She sold it in 2005, only kept a small portion of the shares so that she could now begin to share her story. And she said in the sharing, from the moment she shared with her husband, the secret that she kept for six years was the first time she began to feel herself come out of those shadows of that pain. And she made this statement. She said, through the pain, I found my purpose. Through the pain, I found my purpose. See, so when you go to someone in the midst of their tragedy, and you say, Jesus Christ loves you, and he sacrificed everything for you. In those moments... It's unbelievable. And it's like, that's a stench. I don't believe it. She, I'm sure, in that moment, her world was wrecked. Her spiritual leadership just, just used her. In a, such horrific things happened to her. And in the midst of all of that, I'm sure that the sacrifice of Christ in that moment must have smelled awful to her. But then she embraced the sacrifice. Now, today, her life is a sweet aroma because she smells like Jesus. Amen? Father, I thank you, Lord, tonight for your mercy and grace. I thank you, Lord God, tonight for your goodness, Lord. I thank you, Father. And Lord, you can take very worst of things Lord you can bring peace and you can bring hope and you can bring joy if we will surrender it to you if we will let it go if we will lay it at your feet Lord those strongholds will be broken message, Lord God, will go forth. Oh, Father, I'm asking tonight, there's, there's somebody in this room, somebody, I can feel the Lord just resting in this room right now. I'm not asking for a show of hands. I'm not asking for a response to this altar. I'm asking you right now, in your own words, in your own situation, Just to lay whatever that 
is. See, Anne had a secret she carried for six years. And she could have continued to blame the pastor, or she could take responsibility for her actions. You could continue to blame the other person, or you can just take responsibility and repent for your part and ask for God's forgiveness. And say, God, I, I, I want to be transformed tonight. I want to be transformed tonight. Come on, church. It's just the, you're one step away from victory. One step away from victory. One step away. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, give them the strength, the boldness, and the courage to, Lord, right now, surrender that to you. And, Father, we pray today for the body of Christ that, Lord, we would not mistake popularity for sweet aroma. That we would not mistake, Lord God, position for fragrance. Lord, let us not for a moment ever be compromising in our life, Lord God, to look like, to act like, or to speak like the world. Lord, let us be a sweet aroma. And know, God, we know what we're asking is that, Lord, that sweet aroma is also aroma of death to those who are dying. We thank you, Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Can I leave you with some positive thoughts before we, not that any of it was negative, but. <laughs> now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Am I going to read that again? Always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. Let me, let me, just, let me, let me just read this to you. In a triumph procession of the victorious general who marched through the streets of Rome into the capital. This is what this is referring to exactly. In triumph, this is what God, it's the general who is marching through the streets because he has conquered the enemy. This is what the procession would look like. First came the state officials and the Senate. So you get in the image. Now, then came the trumpeters that would march behind. Then were carried the spools taken from the conquered land. Then came the pictures of the conquered land and models of the conquered citadels and the ships that were overtaken. There followed the white bull for the sacrifice which would be made. Then walked the captive princes, leaders, generals, kings in chains, chains shortly to be flung into prison and most likely soon to be executed. Then came the lectors bearing their rods, followed by the musicians with their lairs. Then the priests swinging their censers with the sweet-smelling incense burning in them. And after that came the general himself. Who's your general, folks? Finally came the army wearing all the decorations. Who's the army of God? Come on. Shouting... I-O triumphi, I-O triumphi, which means, hurrah, we have won. <laughs> As the procession moved through the street, all decorated in garland amid the cheering crowds, it made a tremendous day which might never happen again. Paul said all of that when he said, the Lord always leads us in triumph. Amen? He always leads you in triumph. He, he can get beyond your emotions. He can lead you into triumph. 
He can help you to feel what you need to feel, to know what you need to know, and to do what you need to do. He can always and will always lead you in triumph. How do we know this? Because when he walked out of the grave, there was a procession in the Spirit. And in that procession of the Spirit, it made their way all the way to heaven, and the saints were following. Amen? I.O. Triumphi. I.O. Triumphi. Look, folks, we've won. Amen? Praise God. God bless you tonight. I want the gentlemen to come right now. We're going to be lifting up Teen Challenge and asking God's blessing upon them as our mission's emphasis tonight. As we know that they're doing tremendous work, we work closely with Teen Challenge in Arkansas, and we've had Teen Challenge here on several occasions. Come on, guys, if you'll make your way on down tonight. We're going to take, uh, we're going to ask or never mind, you don't come down on Wednesdays anyway, stay where you're at. <laughs> We're going to ask the Lord's blessing over the offering tonight. Those of you that are not aware of Adult Teen Challenge, it's a drug and alcohol recovery program. I would probably more likely call it a drug and alcoholic transformation uh, program because people are being transformed. There's not a person in this building that has not been directly or indirectly affected by addiction, self-destructive behavior. And the God has the answer. The answer is the church. Dave Wilkerson went to went to New York City, and in so doing, he he started a uh, got the gang members there uh, off the street and started a program that, as we know, is Teen Challenge. It's a worldwide program now, part of the Assemblies of God, and seeing lives transformed over and over and over again. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for your merciful kindness. And, Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord God, that, Lord, those that, Father God, that are on the street in the darkness, Lord God, who have turned away from you over and over and over again, time and time again, I pray, Father, that they will turn to you. And I'm asking, God, for that one tonight that's on the brink of disaster, Lord God, that, Lord, it has that life-controlling, Lord God, issue, Lord, that life-controlling, self-destructive behavior, Lord God. I pray that they will turn to you and find a sinner, Lord God, find a sinner to go into and to take up residence, Lord God, and see the transforming power of the Word of God. And let them be brave enough, Lord God, to face the challenges that they have in their heart to come to knowledge of you. And Lord, we pray your blessing, Lord God, upon adult life challenge today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. God bless you as you give tonight. We love and appreciate you. Men, we'll see you back here.